Thank you all for your faithfulness, and thank you for that stem-winding testimony, Sandra. It got everybody ready for the message today. Would you turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1? You know, this, uh, this fast that we've been doing this week has been definitely called by the Lord, but it, it's been different than any other thing I have ever done in my life. Because um, the, way, the way that God was directing me was the, about the, the mid-afternoon of, of, of uh, each one of the days, I would start going before the Lord and asking him, okay, Father, that's always a good way to begin, okay, Father, uh, what do you want from me tomorrow? And, um, you know, it was okay when we... Uh, when we were doing the full fast, you know, that, that's pretty clear. You I mean, to me, those are the simple things. Like I said on Wednesday night, boy, it's good to fast. It, it really is releasing because you're just doing one thing and you believe that God is, is doing something through it in you. But he started to tell me in the afternoons, okay, tomorrow, I want you to process through this and, and I want you just to walk with me every hour through this thing. And I thought, wow, that's different. Well, I guess arguably we should do that all the time. But one of the days, I, I got through about mid-morning, and I thought, Father, this is exasperating. Just tell me not to eat something. That's easier. But it was just hour by hour, and I recognized that it was kind of like what Les was referencing about the Hebrews thing. God was getting me ready as a son. There was some chastening, and he was dealing with different things. And um, I, w I won't tell you which, which there were two days that were really, really tr trying, and it was with the Lord, I'm just saying. It's like if we did some kind of a game or something like that, we said, man, that was a rough game. We enjoyed it. We won. But you, you still go back and you say, this has been a challenge. And I could see how when Samuel would gather the people to Gilgal to renew the kingdom, it was always to reset, to have that touch point where you remember why you're there. You remember what God has said, hopefully. And you're processing with peace offerings, and you're just waiting on the Lord, and you hopefully will come to that eighth day where you're ready to emerge into the new. Um, so today is grace. And so I, I honestly, yesterday afternoon, I said, Lord, what do you want from me? on Sunday. What do you want? And of course, then I start processing. I don't know if you ever do this. You just in talking to the Lord. I said, now, Father, you know that, as if he doesn't know, that tomorrow's Sunday. I, I, I'm going to be believing for a word from you in the morning. And, you know, we got a busy day and it's going to be a lot of things. So I'm willing to do whatever you want, but it would really be helpful if you just tell me what you want. <laughs> Make it easy on me. And it was just silence. I'm finally going to get to the word here in a minute. So he, he talked to me, and then the grandkids came over. And they were there, and I was on grandpa duty for, for four or four, four five hours. So some of you know what that's like. And so when they left, and I was thoroughly exhausted, I said, 
okay, Father, I'm just going to go, and I'm just going to lay down, and I'm going to wait on you. So at 3 this morning, I wake up, and he starts talking to me. It's wonderful about grace. And he starts talking about things that I had never really considered before, and I was really very happy because he, he is, as we all know, he loves to take us deeper. There's always more from the Word. There's always greater understandings, and there's, there's a deeper visitation of meat that he wants to bring on all of these pneumaticos concepts, and it will continue. I don't know how God's going to do this, but it will continue that way throughout eternity. It's just amazing to me. So the long and short of it is that today is really a day of grace, and everything that I'm going to be talking about uh, in these first few verses of 1 Samuel, of course, it's for all of us, but you know that throughout this day, hour by hour, the Father's going to be working on these things in me, and I'm thinking, dear God, it, it's such a strange feeling to be chastened. You know, you fall on the rock, you don't want the rock to fall on you, and it's wonderful in the Lord, but it's, it's correction, but it's perfecting. It's removing of things, but it's purifying. It's, uh, it's laying things down, but it's lifting up, and, and that confluence of, of these issues that the Father is working in our lives is for our certain good. And that's really what grace is. You know, we've talked about grace in the past over and over again, about how grace always reaches higher. Grace is always going to a new horizon. Grace is the birth of a sunrise, where God is taking you. He wants you to die to self, to embrace the seed of something new, and you partner with him. We've talked about how that the spirit of grace and supplication is the only one of the seven spirits of God that includes the idea of intercession, but not just intercession, it's partnership intercession, where you are embracing some kind of a covenant role with the Father to birth something new, and you're giving everything that you are. You're dying to self, just as a woman would in the birth of a child, so that that life can be formed. The body within becomes top priority, and everything about you is geared toward that. And it's, it's really an interesting thing to walk in grace. So we, this week we're going to be talking a lot about the, the, the gatherings of the prophetic schools. And hopefully by the time I teach on this this week, I'll come up with a better word than that. Because it really wasn't a school. It was more of a, it was more of a classroom of application. So there's a difference in the two of those. You know, you're working things out. You're, you're processing. You're demonstrating. So they're not there with the chalkboard saying, now, class. You know, it wasn't that kind of thing. <clears throat> Naoth with Ramah probably was <clears throat> to a certain degree, but all the other outposts were just function. We'll talk about that more later this week. But Samuel was the one who initiated all of this. Through the, through the timing of the Lord. But Samuel would have never been on this earth had it not been for his mother, whose name is Hannah, which is Grace. So let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 1. <clears throat> we'll, read, um, we'll read this first verse, and then 
I asked Sylvie, and she's so gracious with this, to get a PowerPoint ready. And so after, after I talk about verse 1, I'll ask Scott to throw that up. Well, it's already up there. Look at that. Um, there was a certain man of Ramath, and uh, my, I got to do something about my bifocals. <laughs> I've got large print, and I look down, and I know these words, but trying to read them, it's just, it's just a fool's errand, Haley. It's just crazy. Not that that would ever happen to you, but it, it's weird up here. Because you've got the anointing, you've got the light shining, you've got Tammy smiling, and I'm trying to read these verses, and it's just ridiculous. A certain man, Ramath Im Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, his name was Elkanah, the son of Jer Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and he was an Ephrathite. Now, what? why do we want to talk about this? Um, because... It's interesting that this man had an outpost in, 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 in Ramah. And that's where Samuel eventually came after Shiloh, and he established the, 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 the beginnings of this kind of function that would hopefully teach Israel how not to do things that were in their own eyes as happened for hundreds of years during the day of Judges, but would commit themselves to the eyes of the Lord. And this, this man's name, Elkanah, means the, the, the jealousy of Elohim. The possessor, you know, remember what Kana means. It, it is jealous, it is the possessor, it is somebody that is committed to what God wants, and it's, so it's the heart of God wanting to bring about a people that will partner with his jealousy so that his purpose will be done. And that's very important. We don't often talk that much about Elkanah because the big star of the show with God is Hannah. But the base from which this operates, the, the, the human foundation, is that somebody needs to embrace the heart of God to do what he has wanted to do, that he is jealous for. And that's the home into which Samuel would be born. Now, um, he was also an Ephrathite, which is, Ephrath was another name for Bethlehem. And it really talked about the, the actual circumference around Bethlehem, which was, this word means fruitful, and it means to have an abundance and then Bethlehem would be the, the house of bread, which would be the focal point to be able to process all of this abundance and to be able to make it into either bread or, or grains or things that could then go forth. So this man from Benjamin really was a wealthy man. He's got this long lineage of elders in his family, and he's prosperous. And so... This is, seems like a, a, wonderful, uh, a wonderful resume that Samuel is going to be initiated through grace, basically through Hannah, whose name means grace. But the base of it is, I've put you into a fruitful place, I've put you in a prophetic place, and I'm looking for somebody who will know my heart and embrace my jealousy so that what I want will be. And it had not been that way for hundreds of years. So 
I want to give some kudos to Elkanah here. He obviously was a good man. He loved Hannah very much. He didn't mistreat her. In fact, for all of the challenges that she faced in, in society that were not her fault at all, he, he loved her very much, and he cherished her and showed favor to her. Now, verse 2, and then we're eventually going to get to these verses that Scott's tempting you with up there on the screen. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, who's aforementioned, Grace. The name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, let's read the verses that are up here. And when the time was that Elkanah offered at Shiloh, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. The plan of God had shut up her womb. And her adversary, her adversary, Peninnah, also provoked her sore to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when he went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Wow. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to be too hard on Penina, because if, if you were, none of you would be, but if you had to share if, you, if you're living in a house, it's kind of like Jacob and Leah and Rachel, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Why God does these things, it's for our certain good. But if, if, if you're a woman and you're married and you're producing children, but you know your husband really likes this other woman who's in the house, I mean, chances are you're not going to be rosy posy with her. Um, I don't know where that came from, but there it was anyway. Nathan didn't even tell me that one. It's just there. Um, but she shouldn't have been provoking Hannah, and the Bible has a double issue, and there's some provoke, provocation going on. Now, here's how it applies to us, okay? Because we're, we're people of grace, and we are wanting the purpose of God, and we're wanting his heart. And when you, when you look deeply into what panena means, it is the feminine of panim the face of God. And, you know, the, the thing is that when you're partnering with grace, God is doing other things as well. He doesn't, he's just not focused on you, even though your relationship with him is the most important thing, and you've got to keep your eyes on the target. But in your house, there's probably going to be others who in some ways have been benefactors of the ways of God, and they're producing. And that probably will be irritating to you. If it's not, maybe you're either just really holy or there's something wrong with you. Or both. I've known both. <laughs> You'll meet some of them this week. <laughs> Nathan did tell me that one. So... This is really interesting. So I, I, I'd, never really, I'd never really focused on that before, but suddenly it dawned on me like a ton of bricks. And, I, I, you know, those of you who know me very well know that 
if anything, I am absolutely devoted to what our calling is. And really, I don't give two flips about what anybody else is doing. And that irritates a lot of folks, but I don't care. My point is that I've got to be so focused on this that I cannot take my eyes off the prize. And I care so much about what I bring before you that I don't want it to be seasoned with anybody else's things or what the Apostle Paul said, another man's work. So if you hear anything coming from here, whether you like it or not, you know that it's fresh off the griddle. And I think that's what we have to have to fuel. These are the nutrients we need to walk as saints. Not saying that other words aren't important, but if you're expecting me to bring them, think again. So Hannah was focused on God. Hannah was loved by the jealousy of Elohim. And I think that's fair to say Literally, that's what this passage says. But she was also in that cauldron of grace where you're dealing with the purpose of God and then bitterness is attacking and, you know, grace is always doing battle with, with that. And if you fail grace, according to Hebrews, a root of bitterness springs up. We all know this. We faced it. But you've got to deal with that. You've got to tend to the garden every day because it can spring up and part of part of that part of that is due to uh, things that the Lord allows to be in your path that he wants you to see through his eyes no matter what your human eyes may be seeing so Panina here is the feminine of Panim, which is the face of God, which is the ways of God. And as I was studying about this, the Lord let me see some other things that I hadn't really focused that much on regarding grace, or regarding his ways, or regarding his face. And as I was studying early, early this morning, the Spirit directed me to a volume that was talking about how the onus of Panim, the face of God, was really, was really a drawing in to deeper things. Just like when, hopefully, when you see somebody's face, you're just not focusing on their face, even though you, for the face of God, you want to be there. But hopefully you want to know what's inside that person. Hopefully you want to go deeper. People who just focus on the outward appearance are not seeing the way God sees. But so often we go through life that way, don't we? We see a, a not we, certainly I don't. We see a pretty face, and so many people are motivated by that when behind that face could be a real hellraiser. And, you know, you find out after the honeymoon period's over that what behind that face was really the fires of, <laughs> of, of torture. And you want to get away from that face. You don't want to see that face anymore. So the face, even in, in, the, in the etymology, draws you inside to understand the deeper things. And that word, the, the root of the face of God, talks about something that we may talk about Thursday, where in Genesis... Darkness covered the face of the deep. And that, that's really important. 
darkness covering an entryway into deeper things, and then the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. We'll, t we'll probably reference that uh, on Thursday. But you talk about how the, the Zechariah 10.4, the corner, the nail, the battle bow, the mighty men, the corner, the pinna, which has been referenced many times over the years in many teachings, really doesn't talk just about a turning point or a juncture. It talks, first of all, about the motivation and the partnership to be willing to make that turn. And that's, if you have that motivation from within, then you can really become someone who moves in the lightning of the Lord and is a uh, partnering with him in his ways, and you can see the mighty man raise up. Even the rejection of Jesus is the chief cornerstone. That's not a foundational brick, even though it's essential. It's a focal point of God doing something new. It's a focal point of God demonstrating, which he's going to continue to demonstrate through our Lord, the depth of who he is, and that we as sons can partner with him. That's the cornerstone that the builders rejected. The builders on earth said, you know, we've got it going on. You know, we've got the sepulchers here. We've got it. We don't want you. We've got our own game. Don't mess it up. It'll rob us of money. It'll rob us of power. It'll rob us of prestige. It'll rob us of the way we've always done things. We're rejecting the chief cornerstone because you're asking us to change, and we ain't doing it. Also, the demonic. At one point, God said, I want to do this. And primarily, it had to do with his plan for you and me, which was from the depths of who he is, and the enemy said, I'm not having any of that. I don't want that. I know what you're saying. It's, it's you. In fact, this new creature is going to be uh, in your image. What about me? I'm perfect in all my ways. I don't want that. So I'm rejecting this newest dimension from the depth of who you are and the cornerstone that's going to make this possible. So when we talk about the ways of God, yes, we want his seven spirits. Yes, we want to have all those warm and cozy romantic things we've talked about, nose to nose. When he moves, we want to move. We want to sense his breath. All of those wonderful things. But that as wonderful as that is, is the entryway into the depth of the ever-increasing invitation into the depths of who he is, which is really the heart of the ways of God, which is the heart of God's face. So, as here is Hannah, Grace, her husband, is the Elohim revealing the jealousy of God. He's wealthy. He's got, the, the land is before him, and he's got two wives. He's got one that represents this somehow God has blessed, somehow there's growth and development, but the other one who his heart is really drawn for is um, the Lord, the plan of God, has shut up her womb. Twice it says that here. And, and if, if the plan of God says, no, not yet, well then, by virtue of the way it says that, is the plan of God is saying, not now, but will you partner with me for it to come? So the shutting up seems awful. The shutting up seems terrible. 
But grace will partner with the plan of God for the timing of God to bring this forth. This is just the way you've lived. This is the way things are. But, you know, I think the fact that he gave a worthy portion to, um, to Hannah, what, what does that mean? What, what, is, what does that mean? The worthy portion is something that is from the depths of who he is, from the nose, literally. Uh, I'm, you're coming close. Look, I'm with you. I'm not rejecting you because Yahweh has shut up your womb. I, I, I love you. There's something within me that yearns for you because you are a person. God has just put that there. So I'm going to treat you that way. Yes, I'm going to give the, 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 the portions that belong to Penina and the, the sons and the daughters. They're my family too, but this is here. Now, if this, uh, this is not modern family. Uh, this is not, okay, you should love everybody equally. And, and I'm sure he loved Penina, but for grace, you can't be, you can't be piddling around. You can't be split. You, who is on the Lord's side? Come over unto me. Grace, half of grace is not going to birth anything. A token of grace might be noble. You can even have a little pin on your lapel. But it's not going to birth anything. It's got to be all in or all out, one way or the other. And, and so the, the jealousy of God is looking for somebody like Abraham who can be known as the possessor of heaven and earth, who will partner with him and who will say, I don't want anything from the world or anything from the enemy I want to move forward with God, and I want to see a great thing done because it's his great thing. And that's the framework of grace here. That's, that's the framework of grace. And there are a lot of factors like built into the tabernacle and the temple, the table, the leaven of, of showbread uh, was, was this measure of, of uh, the face of God. Every one of those 12 tribes should have found their place coordinating together to move forward according to the depths of God. That's what that was for. That's the name of it. But, you know, whether it's the cornerstone or whether it's the corner or whatever it, it might be in the variations in the Scripture, it's always an invitation into an increasing knowledge of something that's deeper within. And that's the essence. That's not a sidelight. That's not an, an, an additional identification. That's the, the suction that draws you. The face is beautiful. The contact point of what God's doing right now is glorious. It's loving. It's fulfilling. Sometimes we have questions. Other times we're exasperated. But yet and always it's there. But the, but the motive of it all is for God to take you in to know the deeper things that are ever-evolving and being presented. And that's what grace is. And so another thing is, and I don't want to go too far with this, but this example is just right there. The principle is just right there. We can have our own offspring of the ways of God and focus so much on them and let them wear us out 
and will miss the next opportunity to be someone who births grace. We've got to watch this business, this Panina factor, because it's not just somebody over here who aggravates us. If you're partnering with any dimension of the ways of God, that's going to produce some measure of fruit, and you've got to be willing to, to, to go after grace. What's God doing now? Grace is ever-evolving. There's always a new level. And, you know, it, Hannah would eventually learn that in a bigger way because when she eventually births this little boy named Samuel or somebody who's learned how to shema what Elohim is saying and not only hear it but to obey it and to insist upon it being done, which pretty much characterizes this wonderful seer prophet who becomes the great teacher I mean, if you, if you want to have a teacher who's dealing in pneumatikos ways, it, you could do a whole lot worse than to have somebody who's birthed in the heart of God who wants to hear what that heart is saying and who's insisting upon not only doing it, but teaching it and insisting that those disciples are doing it. That's who Samuel was. And it's, it, not long after Samuel was born, Hannah had let that little boy go. And where'd she let him go to? Into basically a mess. If, you, if anybody thinks that it was a romanticized place known as Shiloh where fat Eli and his two corrupt sons were the leaders. Now, I'm not calling him that. The Scripture calls him that. So if the Scripture calls him that, I can call him that. Amen? Amen. Oh, he's being mean to Samuel. God called him that. Take it up with the Lord. Um, Samuel goes there as soon as he's weaned, I still see little Levi, that curly-headed guy, running around here. And that boy can eat like a longshoreman. He's, he's amazing. He out-eats me. And um, when <laughs> I can't even imagine him being let loose on Shiloh. I just can't imagine that. Or Kelly shows up once a year with clothes that he needs for that year. Um, but, but that's amazing. This is what... Hannah, this triumph of grace, now has this little boy who's Elohim. I'm listening to him. I'm obeying him. I'm learning his ways. That's his name. Okay, hasta la vista. You're gone. And um, then she starts having other children. Grace is a funny thing. Once it births, Katie, bar the door. It's gone. You never know what God's going to do because his ways are past finding out. But the best thing for us is to just keep focused on what the Lord says. Now, I referenced, I started thinking too then about Jacob and Leah and Rachel, which is another odd story in the Lord. I don't care. God made it odd. He's a mystery God, but he writes some odd chapters in that mystery book. And, and I'm not faulting them. I'm just saying they seem odd to me. Here's Jacob. And um, he, you know the story. He worked seven years so that he can get Rachel. And somehow, I still don't know how this worked out. But on, on the wedding night, he ends up with Leah. I, I still don't There's a lot of questions there. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe one of you can answer them. I just don't see how that could be. But it was that way. Um, but, you know, you, you look at the meaning of those names, and you have Leah, who was the older sister. And it says that 
it questions the fact that her eyes were weak. Ayin. She, she, there's our word. Ayin. Uh, and she was not really functioning in Ayin. And I, I wonder about that. I mean, and I wonder about us as we move forward. Um, we kind of were strapped with the older, older ways that didn't want to really partner with the eyes of God. And they'd rather do things according to tradition, or they'd rather do things according to whatever seemed right to them. My hands can't get around that, we were, we were told. And yet we're, we've got to deal with that. We cherish that. It's part of the family. But very clearly, Leah meant, okay, she's already in the house. She's part of the family. And she's got a corrupted capacity to view things as an ayin. That's God's terminology. You can read it for yourself. But then you've got her sister, Rachel, who was beautiful, but the Bible also says, by virtue of her name, that she was willing to travel and to go out and explore. That's what Rachel means. But it also designates that she was capable in the ra'ah. Read it. It's there. Well-favored. She could move in the ra'ah. And so you've got these two women in the household. You've got Jacob, and here's Rachel, another one of those visitations of the Lord shutting up her womb, which is really odd to me. But that's the way God moves. Here, you, the, the one that, if you were asking Ron, you would think, hey, well, why don't you wait the one that doesn't really have the capacity to move an I.N.? You can shut up that womb. Just go ahead and do that. But the one that's beautiful, the one that is, uh, is adventurous, the one who is willing to go out and move in the ra'ah, open it up and let her have a whole passel of kids. Well, that's not the way God moves. And probably because for grace or for moving forward to discern between the tobe and the Ra and to be willing to go forth in faith, there's a price to that. You don't just fall off the wagon and do that. We'd like for that, wouldn't we? You get the right set of teaching tapes, go to the right seminar, have the right hands laid on you, the right impartation. Well, brother, we're cooking with gas then. Well, I shouldn't say that anymore. Biden's going to outlaw that, I think. But cooking with something. And, uh, but once again, whether it's grace or whether it's moving in the ra'ah to, to d discern between good and evil, to, to be able to process and move, there's a price to pay with that. And that's the way it is. And so here on this day of grace and supplication, when we're about to be sprung to go and pray over this location, we've got so many things that we have to see God accomplish this week. You know, I, and, and, and here's an assignment for tomorrow. Tomorrow, of course, if you're going along with a fasting calendar, is judgment and burning. I think that we all ought to go before the Lord. You can start today, but get busy with it tomorrow. What do you want to accomplish this week? Um, for the saints, for the calling we have. And you hear from God. And you write that down, and you begin to proclaim that. 
that God's mishpat, God's purpose for us, is going to be revealed. And by the end of this week, it's going to be, there's going to be a burning regarding that. There's some things that I've already written on the list because I know God's, God's wanting to do them. Uh, I'm believing by the end of this week, we're going to have an operative strategy for not only Brazil, but for South America. And um, we've got representatives coming from there. They're excited. They're hungry. And, and I'm looking forward to that because um, it's just a burgeoning field of operation that God has ordained. And we've got to have clarity. We, we've got to have absolutely clarity. So that's one thing. But tomorrow, I think that the Lord is going to birth in you something that prophetically you need to lay claim to, and you need to be declaring it. God's given you power to declare in this house. You need to be speaking that forward. Now, once again, hopefully you're discerning between Tob and Ra, and somewhere in between you're discerning between your thoughts, which are not God's thoughts. Your ways are not God's ways. So don't corrupt your list tomorrow with a laundry list of stuff that you've been hankering to get done. We want to hear something from God. Make another list for that other stuff. But for what God wants to accomplish for the work of the saints this week, hear from him, write it down, thank him for it, praise him for it, and begin to declare that. Well, we, we've got to, this is a momentous week. And so that's for tomorrow. But today, this business of grace, you know, I, I suppose... I suppose those two factors, I could talk about Isaac and Rebecca too. That's a different story. You know, he's kind of in the middle. Rebecca means, it, it, she's got a really unique name. It, it means stability, but it also can mean clogging up. <laughs> and, and I think maybe if you can imagine being the son of, of Abraham, that, that was big shoes, big sandals to fill. And uh, he just roamed around and was blessed and overcame wherever he went. One day he's, uh, he's telling his wife, tell him you're my sister, and the next day he's gathering people to go and kill a bunch of kings. I mean, no figuring him out. But, you know, he, uh, being his son must have been a real unique thing. So Isaac needed some stability. You know, Eliezer went and found her, you know the story. He needed some stability. And that it could also say why she preferred Jacob over Esau anyway, because Jacob was a homebody. You know, he was there clogging things up with her, you know, learning all the recipes, you know. Esau was out roaming around and uh, a ruddy man, you know, slaying and eating and bringing back food, making pottage for his dad, you know. Real manly man. Probably playing tricks on each other, hiding brooms behind doors, things like that, you know, those kinds of things. But... Um, Rebecca, she liked, she liked, see, don't ever tell Pastor anything because he doesn't forget it. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll bring Hezekiah up here in a minute. But, you know, the, the, the issue is for us that I see real affinity between what Hannah deals with here, especially in this week when we're talking about establishing this principle, which is not just in these schools of Samuel Elijah and Elisha, but it's a principle that repeats itself several times throughout the scriptures. We may not see it, but we will this week. 
uh, even all the way to the book of Revelation when Jesus spoke to the seven churches of Asia. That was a template. That was a principle of how God welcomes the Manuka into the land. And so we, we've got to have that, and I need to know, we need to know how that extrapolates onto the base of not only South America, but even into Europe, which is mobilizing for a fresh visitation of the Spirit. And it's kind of exciting to see, after all the decades of labor that we've sowed there and grateful to have sown there, we're going to see some amazing things. But for us, you know, I see both of these factors, and, 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 and it's just dawned on me, and the, and the Spirit's putting his finger on it really heavily today regarding grace, because I don't want to miss God. I know that's comforting to all of you. I, I don't want to miss what he's really saying. I, I want us to keep moving forward in grace, and this business of being provoked by Penina is a very real thing, and the business of, of Leah provoking her sister is a very real thing. And both of them are elements of issues that we face in this walk of the saints. And uh, I, I just believe that today, on this day of grace and supplication, um, I'm bringing this before you, but, but know that God isn't finished with me yet with any of these things. And there are other things that I've jotted down, which is none of your business, that God's also dealing with me in putting it right here. You know, I'll tell you something funny that happened today. I went into my office, uh, and Sunday school was finished, and so I had this big jug of water that I bought because I want to be ready for, um, I want to be ready for this week. I'll drink more than that, but this jug is big, and it's alkaline water, so it's got to be good. And um, so, I thought, well, I'll open this bottle and I'll initiate it. You know, I'll have me a good glass of water. So I start pouring this thing, and I don't know how this happened, but the bottle escapes my grasp. And it pours out all over my desk. And all of these notes and things that I jotted down in my own chaotic, uh, every pile means something to me. Everything is there. Not in files, in piles. And so some of these are just soaked. They're just dripping wet. Water's everywhere. And, you know, it's one of those times, Sandra, where I was grateful to be able to pray in diverse tongues because the words that my mind wanted to say were not really that holy. So I started, <laughs> I started praying in tongues. And I'm thinking, so then I think, well, this would be a great time for fire to come down and consume this water. Make all these notes legible again. So I, if you were in my office right now, you'd see papers just hanging up different places, trying to dry out. And then I wiped it all down. It's the cleanest that desk has been in decades. And um, this was one of them. So I, I thought, well, I can't let time and I can't believe for a miracle here. I really can't. I know it's the day where we're going to be walking in the impossible, but this sopping wet thing that was dripping water, I get a hair dryer out, and I'm doing this because I thought, and then after I did it, I thought, why do I need this little paper? Because I know every one of these. My photographic mind has imprinted all of this. I don't need this paper, but it's just handy to have, you know. makes people think like they actually prepared something which is a comfort to some. So anyway, that was an adventurous thing. 
So maybe the outpouring of the water, may the water of life pour on you, get you so wet that it'll take you hours to dry. And uh, if the fire wants to fall on it and lap it all up, that would be great too. Maybe there's a prophetic symbol in it. Let's do a fivefold about that. So anyway, but I lost a couple of cups of alkaline water, so we'll see. So grace, on this day of grace, what is God requiring of you? How is he working within you? Grace is being perfected. Grace is doing its work in you. Are you willing to partner with it? Or are you going to fall on that rock and say, take me deeper? I pray that that's what we all do because we sure do need it. We need to be serving the Lord. We need to know exactly what he wants. And not just know it, but be prepared for it. And that's really what grace is. And if God, if Yahweh, the plan of God, has shut up the womb, then you've got to know that he's also, in his plan, going to open it. And, and it's going to be in his timing. But the way you get to his timing is to partner with him. And you, you let him do what he wants to do, and you let him get you ready, and then God's plan will open, and there'll be a birthing. But once that birthing comes, that's not the end. You've got to get that child weaned and let it go. And then you've got to be ready to move in other ways. And if God is moving in his family, in his household, in some other way, and you see his blessing, that can provoke you. Maybe it doesn't provoke you, but it sure do provoke me at times. And, and uh, you say, oh, you shouldn't be that way, Pastor. Well, do you ever drive down the street and you see a neighbor who's uh, got a pristine lawn and two brand new vehicles out front? And it, it, did, does that ever do anything to you? You say, "Oh, I'm so glad God's blessing that guy." Or do you not get in your in your house and you think, "How am I not praying right? Why is this guy having that?" See, you read those things in the scripture; they're there. It's like in, in the mind, one of the minor prophets, and uh, forgive me, Mark, for saying that. That's just what people know them as. Um, they're not minor by any stretch. But God says, I know what you've been thinking. You've been watching these other people over here, and you see them blessed, and then you're griping at me because I've not blessed you. But let's take a look at how I have blessed you. Those are things we have to deal with. And, and as long as you're a human being, you're going to deal with them. And the best thing is to be delighted in the Lord and what he's called you to be and what he's called you to do because he's giving you a worthy potion. He loves you, and he's partnering with you to do things that, as much as we bless these other ones, they are never called to do. You have a precious calling from the Lord, so be that and be happy with it. Amen? So, have a fun day in grace. Some of you, God's probably told you not to eat something. Be happy in that. It's a whole lot easier not eat something than to be hammered on the anvil of the Lord all day. <laughs> so you might also want to be sowing grace throughout the building as you go to pray. Uh, you, you, yes, definitely we want to ask for the Lord to 
prepare the place for the people who are coming and the various ministries that are going to be offered up in so many parts of our facilities. We need we need the people that are going to be there receiving that or participating in it to begin to be touched even now so that they're ready, ready for what God wants to do when they get here. But we also need to just welcome God to do what he wants and open the doors and welcome him. So I don't know how many times I've asked you to do this in the past. Dozens. But this is the first time, well, maybe not the first time. This is a rarity that we would do it on a Sunday morning. But I do believe that it's, it's what the Lord wants, and I believe that there's a significance to it. So don't forget to go downstairs, too, you know, uh, because we have, we're going to have fellowship times down there, but we also have the Brazilian factor that's going to be staying down there. So let's be praying for dreams and visions and the visitation of the Spirit for them. And... Um, God is good. I speak blessing all over you. I speak blessing all over you. Over all of you and all over you. Let it pour out. And I ask that whatever work of grace God's doing in you, that he will be able to fulfill it. Let he that began a good work in you be faithful to fulfill it. That's, it's not that God would ever consider not being faithful. If there's any lack of faith, it, it's in us. So we don't want to hinder what God wants. And um, I pray that even as you go forth throughout this facility to pray, that God will use you powerfully and that his spirit would, would visit you even in the midst of your laying hands on things and making declaration. But I do ask that whatever it is that you're going through, that you'll keep going through it, and you'll come through to the other side. And that whatever it is that you're battling, you'll know the great victory of the Lord, even now in your heart, confidently. Be encouraged. God is with you. And um, let grace have its perfect work throughout this day. So, Father, I seal these things I look forward with this wonderful group of people to what you're going to do this week and from this day forward throughout the year to come. Bless this time of intercession. Bless our blessing. And um, we thank you, Father, for what you have ordained from the foundation of the world to do in our lives and in your people at this crucial time. We thank you for it. We love you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Go in grace. And um, God bless you as you go to, to pray. Amen. <laughs> Everybody's just looking at me. I'm done. <laughs>